Welcome back, DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark, uh, one half of the Dad's Got Issues tag team. Uh, this is issue number 41 of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. We are going to take you guys inside the ropes today for a week's worth of wrestling results, recaps, and reactions from myself and DGI Charlie on the other end. Yeah, and hey, uh, man, I just want to uh, offer the congratulations on uh, that uh, beautiful baby boy. So uh, congrats to you and, and the family, and uh, look forward to bringing him into uh, to our little clique. Yep, I appreciate that. Um, like Charlie said, me and my wife uh, welcomed our second child into this world last week on January 14th at uh, 7.25 a.m. Bouncing baby boy, healthy, no problems, everything's going good. Now we're just trying to get our schedules back to normal. Um, but with a baby comes paternity leave, and with paternity leave comes catching up on all things professional wrestling. Um, and over the week, we found out that uh, we do have our locations for not only this year's WrestleMania, but next year's. And the year after that. And a very, yeah. very bold, I don't want to say a very bold move, but a very different move from WWE. Obviously, at this point in the year, travel packages are sold out, tickets are sold out, things that like of normalcy for WWE fans as it comes to the WrestleMania season have already occurred. So WWE announced that this year's WrestleMania will be taking place at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, which makes sense. They're doing everything in Tampa right now. Um, I do know that they're having, from from what I'm reading, they're having issues finding a new venue for Thunderdome past the start of baseball season, which is rapidly approaching. Um, now, WWE obviously needs an indoor facility to hold Thunderdome. What I could see end up happening is from April to June, them going back to full sale and using their facilities or going to a local, you know, college or whatever and using their facilities. And we're just not going to have the Thunderdome for that period of time or just a smaller version. To be honest with you, they figured it out with NXT. I love the NXT setup. I love Thunderdome. I think Thunderdome was probably the most creative thing that came out of WWE in the last year. Um, But I do think the NXT setup is a little more wholesome and they're allowing fans, which gives a completely different vibe than the Thunderdome does. Um, yeah, I, I'm not against the Thunderdome, but there's just something about having actual people yeah. there that that makes it makes it uh, much more enjoyable. So yeah, so we get Tampa Bay this year. Um, we get Dallas next year, which as a as a frequent flyer, so to speak, as somebody who goes to WrestleMania every single year, um, which I am probably going to go this year as well. Um, I'll follow all CDC guidelines. I'll get tested. I'll do all the stuff I needed to do in order to attend the event if that bridge um, presents itself. But next year, being in Dallas, I've already been to Dallas. I went for 32. Um, So am I excited? Not necessarily. Dallas is kind of boring. I hate to say that. I mean, if you're listening from Dallas, maybe I just wasn't in the right part or whatever. Maybe, you know, I'm down there for the, you know, the Dallas Mania. Maybe somebody can hit me up and show me around because I just didn't have like an enjoyable experience. Now I've went to New Orleans and that was a fucking blast. If they would have went back to New Orleans, I'd be ecstatic. Um, but then obviously the year after Dallas, we're going, we're going Hollywood and it's going to be in LA. Um, whether, 
California will exist in three years. That's yet to be seen. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, that's a stadium I've never been to. I've never been to SoFi. Many people haven't. I don't think anybody has, technically speaking, because the Rams weren't allowing fans this year or the Chargers weren't allowing fans this year either for football. So if things kind of go the way they're going and the pandemic lasts through this year and the way California has things shut down, it may last through next year. The first event in SoFi Stadium with people in it may end up being WrestleMania. Um, but we'll see. That's a long ways away. Hopefully this pandemic stuff is cleared up by then. It's not a problem. Um, but yeah, I thought there was a lot of positive feedback because they, they did a commercial package during um, NFL weekend. Um, and they had John Cena, Roman Reigns, and Paul Heyman, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. I believe Sasha Banks was involved. But they were playing like characters. Yeah. yeah. And I think people were like, you know, I can't believe like I just saw that on my screen. Like, But it, it had the internet a buzz. Like I give, but this is what I don't understand why WWE doesn't do this more often. The only time you see advertisement for WWE programming is on WWE television. They don't need, I can't tell you, because I watch wrestling a lot, like consecutive, like back-to-back catching up on shows. I can't tell you how many times we watch Monday Night Raw, and these motherfuckers are giving me a, a preview for for NXT, and it's like every other commercial break. It's like, motherfucker, I know NXT's on Wednesday night. I am not the crowd you need to appeal to to, to turn in on Wednesday night. Like, I know it's happening. I'm going to be there. Right. Like play this shit during Chris Lee's nose best or fucking, you know, or, but, but my point is, is like, or, or, or play it during, during Miz and Mrs. or on fucking E during the Bella Twins show or fucking on Fox during Family Guy or, or, or the Simpsons. Like I don't get like the WWE advertisement team. Like what is their fucking job? Could you imagine being in that office? Like Vince comes down, you know, he meets with the heads and the heads meet with all the fucking underlings for the, for advertisement. And they're like, yeah, so how should our TV packaging go? Well, hear me out. We advertise during our shows. Those people love our shit. They'll watch it no matter what. Well, no shit, motherfucker. We're already here. You don't need to get us. You need to get the casual viewer. Like, what's the one thing from the Attitude Era that everybody always talks about being like underrated or that they loved it or they remembered they did it? The fucking Super Bowl commercial. Of that, well, they also did. Uh, they also had the the halftime. Heat, yes, which was advertised and everything. Yeah, so like that's my point. Like I think WWE really needs to start garnering. Like they need to garner the attention they did with this this WrestleMania announcement because it had people talking. Like I found out about it through a mainstream media source, not a wrestling source. It came through like like NBC News or something like that. Or no, it might have been Fox News that reported because obviously they're reporting that Tampa's happening with fans, but they were also reporting that then it had all three logos. And I'm like, fucking Fox News, CNN, all these other companies are now advertising like, yeah, hey, this is occurring. Like, that's great for your brand. Like, even if it is a little controversial that you're going to have fans this year. There's other shit going on right now. They had fucking 7,500 fans at Buffalo this past weekend in New York for the for the Buffalo Bills game. So, if WrestleMania wants to have fans out of Florida, which has been open for business this entire pandemic, I don't think it's really that big of a deal at this point. Um, but, yeah, so let's move on. Let's talk about Raw. Uh, we're going to talk last week and this week. Um so what do you think? What do you think of Raw? What's your overall reactions to Raw? 
Obviously, uh, Drew McIntyre's out with COVID, so we didn't get to really see much from him the past two weeks. But, um, so I, I, I think the best way to put it is that overall, from the past two episodes, but more so last night especially, um, not good, but not bad. Average. Like it was just a show. Like, yeah, that's that's the only way I can describe it. It's like it's like bread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll eat it, but it's not what you want. So but you're like, I need something. So I guess this is fun. So our tracker was at three. Are we at five now? Because I feel like I'm at five. Yeah, this would be five. Yeah, like nothing has changed. Nothing is significantly different. And don't get me wrong, because like we talked last week, you're a big Triple H fan, right? right. Like you, you love Triple H. Like he's one of your top. I think you might have even said he was. One, he is your top. It's it's him and HBK one A one B. It just depends on the day that you okay. ask me and how I'm feeling. Okay, so so you have such a high opinion of Triple H, and I told you, I think Triple H is up there, top five, maybe top three, when all things are said and done. And I wasn't discrediting like his his appeal, but I said he's falling into the same category for me. And, and it's not rant worthy like Goldberg was or like Bill was, but he's falling into that Bill category of like, I don't need you to come out and wrestle anymore. I don't need Undertaker to come out and wrestle anymore. Like, I'm fine with him riding off into the sunset. I'm okay with Triple H never lacing up boots again. Like, it's it's not that I don't want to see it. It's just that there's so much other shit that should be happening on your weekly television show that I, I need to see it. And, like, I knew we weren't going to get Bill every week. I, th- like, we knew this. I knew this. Everybody should have known this. So when they when we've gone now two straight fucking weeks with no Bill Goldberg, not even a fucking remote video interview to, con- to like contradict what Drew says in his remote interviews. It's just Bill being fucking Bill. He's going to show up, get paid, probably win the fucking belt at the Rumble and piss everybody, including myself, off watching at home. <laughs> and then he's going to drop it at WrestleMania to whoever wins the Rumble. That's what people don't understand. Whoever wins the Rumble is getting the rub from Bill Goldberg at WrestleMania. They are not going on to face Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns will not face a Royal Rumble winner, in my opinion. Because the only person, in my opinion, honest opinion, that has the opportunity to actually beat Roman if they win the Royal Rumble is probably Shinsuke Nakamura at the moment. Because he's, he's, pull, he's starting to pull into that Kofi Kingston level. Of like fans are talking about him. The internet's pushing way hard behind him. And if WWE's smart back. Yeah, they gave him they gave him his face music back, in my opinion. That's what that music is to me. So like he's getting he's getting the proper build up to a potential WrestleMania run and maybe even taking the belt from. I mean, just his match or his his altercation with Jay Uso shows that they're gonna build that rivalry a little bit. Hopefully that pushes Shinsuke, you know, he, 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 he disrespects the family enough that now he becomes Roman's, you know, his, his linchpin moving into WrestleMania season. But I think it'll, I think we'll, it'll depend on how elimination chamber goes. Yeah. That'll give us a good idea of what the plans are for Shinsuke Nakamura. Is this just a, Hey, 
it, we're getting a positive reaction, so let's shut Twitter up for a minute and let's just use him. Yeah. But ultimately go with whatever they want to go with. This is uh, this is the problem we're having in WWE right now. When you're artificially pumping in booze and cheers, Vince McMahon is controlling what is popular and unpopular. And it's not an issue of whether or not Shinsuke is not popular. I think he is. And he's being cheered in the stadium because they're pumping in cheers. But is that is Vince actually reading the the internet? Is he actually reading the room, so to speak? Because there's nobody in the room to direct him. You know what I mean? That's kind of the big thing about professional wrestling. And it's I hate to say it, it's the same thing with like AEW right now. They surround the ring with professional wrestlers, fan, friends of the wrestlers in the ring, and they're all told to act or, or, or cheer or boo accordingly to the character arcs that are going on in the story. So you're not getting a real genuine reaction whether something is going over or if it's falling short. And the only way you really garner that that information is you gotta read you gotta read the shit that guys like me and, and Charlie say or the average fan is is complaining about on on social media or you know through blogs and posts and things like that. Um because no offense you end up getting I hate to say it but you end up getting shit no offense like Bill Goldberg. If Bill Goldberg would have came out and challenged Drew McIntyre on Legends Night in front of a crowd, he would have got a pop on his entrance, but he would have been booed out of the fucking building the moment he started cutting that shit-ass promo at the end. And basically... like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, like, that's my thing. Like, would Keith Lee... I think Keith Lee would be being pushed harder if there's a live crowd, because I think whether we think he's 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 good or he's not, I think he has enough of a crowd-based reaction that it's kind of hard to deny that Keith Lee should should be beating Sheamus and competing in the main events and doing the things that he's doing. He's probably the first NXT guy that's gotten a call-up that's actually got a proper place on the card and used accordingly. He's been getting beat a lot, but he doesn't look weak in loss in this and his losses because he's really only losing to Drew McIntyre. For you to lose like a, like four, three or four times to the world champion, it's not a big deal because eventually, if you beat the world champion, you've now overcome those odds. You're now well, an under the champ is sh- the champ should win, which you know in WWE it doesn't happen a lot except when they're when they're defending their title. Yeah, that's when they win. You see a lot of champions lose non-title matches yeah um, but for drew you know they keep him strong and they they book him the way that he is so he's dominant but like yeah. i think the biggest takeaways like that i think from from raw from from uh both weeks and everything so uh one the hurt business yes um, i don't understand where they're trying to go with this because they're still so new at least in my opinion they're still new as a faction um, I don't understand why you would create friction. friction already. It just it doesn't make sense to me. But then my my the wheels in my brain started turning, and I'm like, well, what if they want to change things up? What if they want to get? Um, I, I'm saying it's either going to be Cedric or Shelton Benjamin that gets the boot from the group, one or the other, and they finally get Ricochet. Um, my because thought, Ricochet has his problems with retribution. 
my thought process is it's tough, man, because the four of them have been so stellar. Yeah. For, for almost a calendar year now, they've been so great since they've been put together. And, like, even, like, Cedric, like, almost unwillingly at the beginning joining the group and now not only joining the group but kind of becoming the star of the – like, he, nobody's outshining Bobby Lashley right now. Like, physically in the ring, Bobby Lashley is is as – he has done such a 180. I mean, we literally did a, a – I, I made a post, what, like – Probably like a month. Yeah, probably like a month before he joined Hurt Business with with MVP and and Benjamin. Like comparing him to a paper bag, he's done such a 180, not in the sense that he's any better on the microphone. He's still terrible. But he in the ring, like his presence, his 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 persona. Yes, the way he's carrying himself is so different. He's so much more confident. Like, I would almost... The problem is, is I hate when they do this. Like, he's having a great U.S. title run right now. I do think he's going to drop the belt to Matt Riddle. But if he drops the belt to Matt Riddle, MVP or Cedric Alexander need to be the next guy to go after Riddle to get the belt back for Hurt Business and allow Bobby Lashley to move on to the main event scene. Bobby Lashley needs to have a legitimized main event run in the Hurt Business faction because I think it, this is this has legitimized him for that run. But whether that happens or not, I don't know. But if I'm being honest with you, drop the belt to Riddle, win the Rumble, beat Drew at WrestleMania, wrestle Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. They've been they've been chomping it a bit. For a reason for Brock Lesnar to come, a reason for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley getting the ring together. They've been trying this for years to get fans to buy into it. That could be a way about doing it that I think works. It's never going to happen. In a thousand years, it'll never happen. And if it does, WWE definitely listens to our podcast. <laughs> but it's just one of those things. That I just, I think that's, that's what Bobby Lashley has going for him. And I agree with you. It's, it's a complete bright spot but it's also one of those ones where we're looking at it we're like what are we doing you know yeah. why are we doing this why are you taking uh, uh this this one thing that you're doing well and then going you know what let's mess with it yeah let's let's go ahead and um you know it'd be like you painted the mona lisa but then you're like but you know what it needs a mustache it needs a mustache. No, no, don't do it. And you got Vince just standing there with a paintbrush. But you, like, <laughs> but you know though the thing that that I've noticed though, even with the the dissension within the herb, they're still winning. They're, yeah, but that's because like like on on Raw, like Bobby Lashley just goes in there, throws on the his full Nelson, which apparently you know has to have a special name. Um, as the Hurt Lock. Which is just the full Nelson. I mean, I'm not doubting. Like, if uh, if Bobby Lashley, uh, Bobby Lashley, were to put you in an actual full Nelson, I'm not doubting that it wouldn't hurt. Like <laughs> enough to where you would tap out, right? But it is just the full Nelson. Yeah. It would be like somebody winning with a DDT, which 
is what John Moxley does. Yes. But at least he does the double underarm hook and drives your face straight down into the mat. But yeah. um, I digress. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, like I guess I agree with you. Yeah. Her, her business is definitely, but we've been saying this for months now. Like her business is continuously the, the the bright spot, and then they they did the Hardy Bros thing, but then Riddle gets his ass beat last week, and then he loses with Lucha House Party this week, and Jeff Hardy is back to I guess being a singles guy again, or at least not even associating with Matt Riddle because both of them have been getting their asses beat by their respective rivals, and then nobody's helping them in the post-match beatdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's classic WWE. Like faces are made to look stupid. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. Like you mean to tell me they don't have any friends <laughs> at all, but then like, you know, uh, if a face starts beating the crap out of a heel, like 75 referees, like even some from impact show up, and are there to break up the fight. Like, There's guys wearing WCW refing shirts, and you're like, where did that guy right. come from? Right. Earl Hebner somehow found <laughs> his way back to WWE to break it up, and it's just, it, it just blows my mind, like, the inconsistencies. So let's, so let's, let's move on real quick. Let's talk about the other Raw-related storyline that obviously is continuing forward. Um, the Fiend and Randy Orton. Right. And by my, by proxy, the fiend Alexa Bliss, and then now Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Yeah. If anything came out of Monday Night Raw this past week, it's Alexa Bliss is back in the ring competing as a singles competitor, and she looked dominant. Like they made her as dominant as the fiend character. If that's yeah. where we're headed, I'm all for it. I'm I am a Alexa Bliss is my number one favorite female performer in WWE. I don't want to say wrestler, but performer. She sells on the mic. She's, she's good enough in the ring that she puts on great matches with whoever she's in the ring with. And she's bought into this fiend character as well as anybody could have asked, asked her to do so. Yeah. I mean, she, she you, just from all of this, like you can see the range yes. that she has. She can go from being, you know, bubbly and giggly and everything to mean girls to like this demonic. Uh, yeah, this like possessed stoic uh, you know, just But you know, like I think were we were, were we talking about Asuka last week how she's kind of like she's always been booked well. Yeah, we yeah. did. We talked about like because we were talking about Zia Lee on um on NXT who also had another good good match this week. But, you know, Asuka's been booked so, so strong for so long. When she hit Bliss with those two or three kicks, uh-huh. and Bliss just turned around and hit her with Sister Abigail, you're like, yeah. fuck. She's like, and like, you know, like, like we know it's KFAB. Like, we know, right. like, she's, she's just no selling the kick that other people just sell the shit out of. But yeah. you're like, you're supposed to sell that. And you're like, she didn't do it. Oh, shit. You're like, yeah. Well, I, well, I like the sequence when she first switched over and, uh, you know, Asuka was throwing kicks and she's just like blocking them and then throwing her hands behind her back and just kind of like pacing around the ring. Like, yeah. It, it, it showed the contrast of like what you were kind of getting 
pre uh, pre possession. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then obviously it's crazy because like that's such a high point on 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 in wrestling in the week, in my opinion. But out of the same storyline, you get uh, the Burning Man in his his lucha mask and his his red note. Like Randy Orton could have led Santa's sleigh through the snow on Christmas Eve with the fucking how bright red his fucking note. It was so bad. And like it's just like, dude, what are we doing with Randy Orton right now? He yeah, doesn't he's need he's this. So well, he's been so good since with his feud with Drew and everything, like or or going back to Edge and all of that. And uh, you know, like this is you know, regardless of how crappy 2020 was, 2020 was really good for if you were a Randy Orton fan. Yeah. Um, because you got to see a lot of of good stuff out of him, and it's like Here's what I'll say though, man. I'm gonna trust it. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it run its course. We're, I just we're don't understand crazy. how this gets us back to Randy Orton versus Edge at Mania this year because that's what their idea was. Is they right. want they want to have Randy and Edge wrestle again at WrestleMania. Um, whether that happens or not, I don't know. And maybe that's why we're getting this weird ass storyline. But like, is I really don't want this to be a fucking Randy Orton versus Fiend at WrestleMania situation where. You know, the Fiend wins the Rumble and then like Randy manages to get the world title from Drew or something. like something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't want that to be the case here. Like, it, it's just one of those things where like, I don't need like, and I get it. Like anybody that wrestles the Fiend never comes out the same. That's kind of like his thing. Yeah. But I don't need, a, I don't need Randy Orton coming out to be the next fucking Kane. Like talking with a voice box because he's all burned up. Like I don't need that. Right. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see where it goes. It was it was weird, but I'm like, are you? Are they gonna really keep going with this mask thing, or are we eventually gonna? You know, like how how are we? Is this like a Cody Rhodes situation yeah. where like he was wearing the mask but didn't need to wear the mask? Yeah, I I, just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. So I'm going to, I'm going to trust it for the time being. I'm going to, I'm going to let them do what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, as this goes on, we'll, we'll see if my opinion, you know, starts going south or goes and and starts giving them praise for, for doing something good. Yeah. Um, so, um, let's move on. We'll go on to Wednesday nights. Uh, okay. we get NXT. Uh, we open the show with Shotzi Blackheart and Candice LeRae. Once again, this is falling into the trope of WWE, not next, not necessarily NXT, giving us on free television matches in rivalries that have been built up for months to just throw it as the opening match on like a weekly show. And I get it. AEW is throwing a lot at the wall in their weekly shows because they only have four pay-per-views a year. So NXT, I think, is starting to to put their foot on the gas a little bit more and accelerate some of these storylines to give us bigger matches every week because they know that's what's going to get people to tune into them. Um, I'm not a big Shotzi Blackheart person. I do like Candice LeRae. I made that very well-known uh, probably like five or six Inside the Ropes issues back that I think she's a main event player in a mid-car role, and they need to figure that out sooner rather than later. Um, um, she does end up, you know, beating 
Shotzi now for the second straight time, which we know is not going to be the end of the rivalry, as it probably should be. Um, but they, uh, they're they obviously building into the Dusty Rhodes Classic, the women's edition, first ever. And they're trying to create these tag teams now where they have, you know, singles competitors wrestling as tag teams because they have no women's tag teams. Right. The only women's tag team, in my opinion, in the Dusty Classic for the women's side is um, Casey Katz... Katsano and what's her name? The the and um crap, I'm blanking on her name. Uh whoever you know I'm talking it'll yeah, um, it'll come to us at some point. But yeah, they're the only two. And that's because anytime you see them, they're in a rest they're in a tag team wrestling match. So I'm okay with that. But like Shotzi, oh Caden, um Casey and Caden. Shotzi right. and Ember Moon, two singles competitors coming in to form a tag team. Um, Candice LeRae and Indy Black, um, Indy Blackheart, singles tag team. Now I'll even give I'll give Candy Candice and um, Indy a little bit of credit because they kind of are in, in a faction at least together. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where you're kind of like you're you're be- below for for me. It's just below par for what WWE does. And like, why is the women's tag team champions not involved in this? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that make sense? Because isn't the isn't the title supposed? Well, yeah, I was about to say they they it used to be the women's tag team championships were defended on any brand, yeah. Raw, SmackDown, or NXT, and then they were like, yeah, never mind, we're just gonna go ahead and keep these to Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. So then uh, Finn comes out, cuts a promo on. Um, being the guy, dude, sometimes Finn's really good at delivery. Sometimes he's not so great. The fucking, the line about, you know, they don't make the cloth that I was cu- I'm was i cut from anymore. That was a solid fucking line, like, in the middle of that promo. And, like, he continued, obviously, after that line. But that's the line that sticks. Like, that's the line that goes on a T-shirt and sells out the fucking door. But WWE's not smart enough to do that. Apparently. Um, but yeah, so uh, he comes, gets confronted by Pete Dunn. And, and um, I really wish Oni and um, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch would get a fucking team name. Like, it bothers me that, I, like, like you have to call them by their fucking names. It bothers me. Like, you're a, ta- you're a tag team champion, so have a name. They could be the one, too. Like, you could just call them whatever. Like, yeah. I don't care. It just or, or- bothers me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, but obviously to the rescue came, um, Kyle O'Reilly, who's not medically cleared because he's got, you know, the same draw injury that Balor had, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then obviously Adam Cole and Roger Strong came out to make the help make the save and fend off, um, the brand. That's what we've, we've called him on here. Um, and Pete Dunn and the unnamed tag team champions. <laughs> but um yeah so they you know another great moment great segment it's continuing probably the longest booked feuds in NXT to this point um which I have no issues with um and it leads into the undisputed era probably eventually wrestling Lorkin and 
Birch in the the finals of this Dusty Classic tournament, in my opinion. Um, we then get a Dusty Classic uh, first round match between the grizzled young veterans and Everrise. Um, Everrise gets defeated. Um, I'm not a terrible. F- I'm not a big fan of either team, um, but I feel like they they miss an opportunity with Everrise. Because what's his name is fucking hysterical. The the dude with long hair from Ever Eyes. When he cuts promos in the back, uh, I fucking die, dude. He's just, he's so over the top. He's very like 80s, like over the top with his character. So it just makes me laugh. I'm like, I'd rather see that guy than the grizzled young veterans be all pissed off every fucking week. <laughs> um, you then get a non-title match between um, Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's one I'm in between. Um, you know, Gargano defeats Loomis in pretty, pretty shit fashion. Obviously he's going to win heel like, um, but yeah, that, that's going to continue to move on. Um, Kushida, but, but this is the thing, like Kushida comes out and attacks, Gargano in theory, so it pushes Gargano and Kushido forward. So where does that put Loomis? So Loomis just lost the match, and now we're like moving on. Or is Loomis going to turn his attention to theory? Like it's weird because I feel like Loomis should be higher on the pecking order than Kushida at this point, but he's not. Whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I mean I think the all, the end game here is going to get the belt on Ishida. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So, and then uh, we get our second match for the first round of the Dusty Classic. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott and Jake Atlas, who are are, are feuding at the moment, are now tag team partners. Um, I guess they thought this would be like a Balor Joe thing. I don't know. Um, they faced the new tag team of MSK, and they built this MSK shit up for the last week. Like, these motherfuckers were somebody we were supposed to know. They pulled an AEW on us. Of all the shit that AEW gets for debuting people that nobody knows who they are, but expecting us to know who they are, that's a big complaint from a lot of fans, right? Right. The same fucking thing happened with MSK. And don't get me wrong, MSK, um, apparently they are... Um, a bigger, they were a bigger name tag team on um, Impact um, as the Rascals, and they actually make a they make a very sly com um, um, comment about you know these guys are Rascals, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I'm like, but it's you know Trey um, is it Trey Miguel and Desmond Xavier. I think are the it might be Zachary it might be Zach is the other guy. Let me see real quick. Yeah. Well, now it's uh, Wes Lee and uh, Nash Carter. Yeah, but it's uh, the they were Desmond Xavier and, and Zachary Wentz or Wentz and Des in Impact uh, under the Rascals. They were a three man team, but it doesn't look like Trey Miguel signed with the WWE. Just the other two did. And apparently, people love these guys. So when they like, there were a lot of people. I'm not going to downplay their debut. Like it's it's not a big deal to somebody. 
It's just not a big deal to us. We didn't know who the fuck they were. I can tell. I I know Charlie didn't know because I didn't know, and I'm I'm the one that dives deep into all the independent and M- impact and New Japan and all the other shit like as heavily as I possibly can. And I never heard of these motherfuckers. But doesn't mean I wasn't impressed by some of the stuff they did in the ring on Wednesday. Um, but when I look at these guys once again, Dez isn't much bigger than Ricochet. So, like, if he leaves his tag team and people are like, they need to push him to the moon, he needs to be a main event guy. And you're like, how? Right. Like, Balor. We can't get a guy who was legitimately a, a heavyweight champion for another promotion, like, an opportunity to even win a fucking mid-card title. And you want them to break this tag team up before they even hit their stride in NXT. Because people were legitimately not asking them to break up, but they want him to be pushed as, at least, the, you know, Dez to be pushed as a singles guy. And I'm like, he's a, they brought him in to be a fucking, they, they literally trademarked a tag team name. How many teams get tag team names? We just, our fucking NXT tag champions don't even have a tag team name. <laughs> But this team has a this brand new fucking team straight off the street has has a name, has an entrance package, has a fucking theme song. Like, come on now. Like they ain't getting broken up anytime soon. Right. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind it. It made sense for them to beat Swerve and Atlas and then Swerve and Atlas continue their feud. That's just more cruiser rate highlights later on, I'm sure, for for a pay-per-view or whatever. Um and then we talked about it a little bit earlier. Zai Lee has, has another good outing. Um, fucking just destroy. I mean, I don't even know if that fucking jobber was ready for that kick, if I'm being honest. <laughs> she fucking, she punted that chick's weave into the first row. He kicked her so fucking hard. And then they have that like weird fucking like monster thing that comes out to the ring with them. Because when we watched the first couple of video packages, there was an older gentleman training them. But now they have like this demon that brings them to the ring. And I'm like, and obviously the demon sent her back in and she beat the shit out of the job or some more. I don't mind it. I'm interested to see where that goes, in my opinion. But she's she's always been great in the ring before this. Now they're just building a character for her, which I like. This is what WWE does well. They build characters. And who the fuck knows what Bo is going to do? He looks like he's an extra in a Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) Um, hey, at least they got him on TV. Yes, so. at least they got him on TV, and he's doing something. He's an he's an impressive athlete too, though. Like that's the thing. I mean, if they can figure out what to do with him, maybe this is the way to go. And of course, people are bitching online saying that it's fucking culturally culturally appropriating, and WWE always does this with their their Asian mm-hmm. and foreign ta- whatever. It's just fucking people being haters. Um. Undisputed Era defeats Brazongo and Dusty Rhodes uh, Tag Team Classic first round match. Um, did we did we expect anything different? Probably not. I don't think Brazongo was probably the right pick here in this match. And, and like, well, you have two face teams fighting one another. First of all, which it's weird. Really it's weird to say that Undisputed Era is a face team, but they but are. They are. Right. Um, and then it's like. I don't know, like, what what are we doing with Brazongo now? Because like they won the tag titles, everybody was behind it, and then then they lose them in controversial fashion. They go away, and now they're they're back, but they're they're putting over Undisputed Era, yeah. who really they don't need to win the Dusty Classic. They like, don't. 
what what this is going to come down to, I, I think it's going to come down to like grizzled young veterans and, and maybe even MSK. Um, you but, know, but see, that's hopeful thinking. That's hopeful thinking that they're not going to give you the obvious outcome. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to get Undisputed Era in 1-2, because we're going to name them. WWE, get on it, make the shirts. You know, they're going to end up meeting in the finals. They just are, in my opinion. They got attacked after the match by, uh, after the match by them. Like, I just don't see how it doesn't end in those two teams culminating in a massive takeover level tag team match because it keeps Cole occupied. It keeps Roger Strong occupied. At some point, Pete Dunn is going to get his opportunity at Finn Balor. It's probably going to be a takeover. Kyle Riley's now hurt. Bobby Fish, I'm pretty sure, is hurt. Like, because we haven't seen him in what, like three weeks, four weeks. So my thing is, O'Reilly now probably stays off the of TV for a little bit. Maybe not much, but a little bit, because obviously he got pretty banged up at the end of NXT on on Wednesday. But we move on from that O'Reilly story uh, with Balor to now. You know, I think Balor retains over Dunn. I don't think Dunn beats Finn Balor. But then again, I could see Dunn beating Finn Balor and being the one that Karrion Cross takes the belt from. Who knows, though? Karrion Cross is Karrion Cross is coming to get the belt. It, it, it's just inevitable. It's just when is it going to happen at this point? What I think will happen is, is Finn will retain. Karrion will come out, get get you know, lay his claim to the championship. And I think that Finn feels like um, he's he's going to do the job because of what happened to him with the Universal Championship. Like he knows what it's like yeah. to reach that pinnacle and then have to forfeit the title the, the next you know the next time you see him. Well, I so, I, I I can only we can only hope. That carrying across Finn Balor will be the head one of the headline matches for night one or two of WrestleMania in Tampa this year. Yeah, I was wondering about that too because with takeovers no longer being Saturday pay per views, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. They will. So we didn't get takeover last year with Mania. We won't get. Right. A ta- we will probably not get a takeover again this year. Um doesn't obviously prevent them from from doing one on like Friday, right? But right. they didn't do one last year and Rhea Ripley defended the women's title on Mania. So I think what you're going to end up seeing because they're going to split it into two nights, you're probably going to see a lot of NXT stuff on both nights. Why not? They're all they're all main brands now, right? That's what they've been telling us. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I consider NXT the main brand. The other two brands are fucking bullshit i i consider nxt the top brand but it still doesn't mean that it's not the developmental brand yeah either so um we'll move on from uh we'll move on from nxt nxt was great it is what it is so now we'll move on um let's move on to AEW. uh night two for new year's smash uh we were getting uh the elite in a six-man tag match um the TNT championship match between Darby Allen and Brian Cage, uh, NWA women's champion between Serena Deeb and Ty Conte. Once again, great women's match, but it's not an AEW women's match. In my opinion, it is 
because it's on the show. It's two AEW women contractually obligated wrestlers, but it's making the NWA title look really good. It's not making AEW's title look any better. Um, You got Pac versus Eddie Kingston, Jurassic Express versus FTR, Chuck Taylor versus Miro, Cody. Um, Inside of Britt Baker's The Waiting Room, whatever that fucking debacle was. Um, And then Inner Circle's New Year's Resolution segment. Um, they kicked off the show at Pac versus Eddie Kingston. Great fucking match. Um, I really enjoyed these two guys' work, like, right between, because they're not the same. They're not definitely completely two different styles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it was a good match. It was a really good match. It's a physical match to start the show off with and kind of kick the night off. But these two guys, man, they're fucking great. And it's also interesting to see, too, the approach we're taking out Lance Archer, who was very lone wolf. I'm going to do my own thing, but he hates Eddie Kingston so fucking much. He's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to help Pac and his guy in death triangle as much as possible to make Eddie Kingston's life a living hell. And I think that's, I think that's a good move. I really do because it gets, it gets these guys on television, right? It gets everybody getting TV time. Um, Trent Beretta is out for four to five months with a torn bicep, same bicep that he tore while, um, right before he came over from new Japan, um, Chuck Taylor versus Miro this week, uh, was f- stakes were if Miro beats Chuck Taylor, Chuck Taylor becomes his butler up until, um, Kip Sabian's wedding. Stupid. I fucking yep. hate it. You know, it's just, it, the whole thing, this whole fucking program has been awful to me. And like, you know, Chuck Taylor, like looking like he, a scared little boy, like it's just fucking, it's. It's so WWE, it's painful. Um, I hate to say that because we just complimented a WWE product 20 seconds ago, but it's bad WWE. It's so it's so bad, it's bad WWE, and it's painful. Uh, New Year's resolution for Inner Circle segment. Everybody going at everybody. Fucking Sammy calling Chris a tag team whore. Like, as much, <laughs> as, much as it, that was, this is classic WWE shit, or a tag team slut, sorry. It's funny shit. Like you can clearly tell when Jericho's involved in writing a segment because Jericho's always been comical. He's like he hits the comedy bone pretty well for the re- the average wrestling fan or even a diehard fan. When Sammy comes at him and hits him with the, you're a ta- you're being a tag team slut, that shit was so perfectly like timed and delivered and like everybody's reaction in the ring like these guys clearly enjoy working with one another, all of them, including uh, MJF and Wardlow. But this leads to a great fucking like, like triple threat tag match for this week coming up, or to, you know, well, Wednesday well, to- Wednesday night. Yeah, we're recording on Tuesday night, but you know, Wednesday night to so tomorrow or whenever you listen to us. Um, but you're getting Jericho and MJF versus Pride and Powerful versus. Sammy Hager. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny because Jericho's talking to Sammy about this. And he's like, so you're, you're Sammy, Sammy Hager. Yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. Sounds cool. Don't it? And he's like, I'm not even going to touch on that. Cause like the age gap, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. knows like Sammy's not going to have any fucking clue who Sammy Hager is, but right. it's like one of those things though. Like it is a good question because like the inner circle is, is, is a lot of singles competitors with a solid tag team in it, Santana and Ortiz, Pride and Powerful, LAX, like they have a rich tag team history. They have never been utilized properly. 
in yeah, the tag team division. Like they, they should be the team to win it. They should be, but, but they're most likely will be Jericho and MJF. MJF with the assist from somebody. Yeah. Probably Wardlow, obviously. <laughs> but but yeah, I like it. Like I said, <laughs> I, I like it. They have managed to keep the inner circle interesting. And not in the same way that like WWE's kept Hurt Business. Hurt Business has been interesting because these guys are now elevated. I don't necessarily know if Inner Circle has elevated anybody, but they're 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 must see TV when they get on television. And like them adding MJF and Wardlow into the to the mix is almost like oil and water. You're just waiting for these two these elements to combust and explode. We know we're getting Jericho and MJF in a match against one another at some point, like a real match, not like a, 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 like, am I better than you? This type of match, like a legit, like they, they are, they are going at one another and they don't like each other. Like that's, what's going to end up happening. Um, and then we get, uh, the elite versus the varsity blondes and Danny limelight. Um, I don't know much about Danny Limelight. Obviously, I'm a big Brian Pillman senior fan. So I love watching Junior wrestle. I think it I mean, if we're getting anywhere close to Brian Pillman Sr., it's gonna be his son. Um, and his son embodies a lot of what Brian Pillman Jr., you know, does and did well early on in his career. Not not when he went full tilt with Austin and all the stuff in WWE, but like his his great. Huh? I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the loose cannon. No, I did too. I I did too. But I enjoy, like I said, when I went, you know, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago about the Attitude Era. When I went back and watched the early Monday Night Wars episodes, and Bri- Flying Brian Pillman was on WCW, dude, he put on some fucking matches on free television every week that like rivaled a lot of dudes like five star matches on pay per views, and he was just a tremendously talented in ring guy. Who once he got to WWE, his character work became so much, so much more important to who he was. That it gets overlooked. The same thing with Austin. If you go back and watch early Austin matches, Austin was fucking, technically speaking, as good as Bret Hart and Owen Hart and all these other motherfuckers that are technical wrestlers. That once he got to WWE, his character became so much more important. He didn't have to do that shit no more. He could just go out there and throw a handful of punches, hit a Thez press, and hit a Stone Cold Stunner and drink some beers, and he was going to make millions of dollars. I don't blame right. I don't blame him for changing his move set. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we get the elite versus the varsity blondes, Danny Limelight. And, you know, Kenny's in the back and the Bucks and him are all gonna go out together. And then Don Cal steps in and is like, Oh no, we love your guys' entrance. We're gonna go out first, you guys go out second, blah, blah, blah. So when they come out, Kenny does his full entrance, which like it took a little while, I think, for fans to catch on at first, but like the fact that every match is like just them bragging about Kenny's accolades. He started doing that the night after him and Adam Page split up, and I'm like, "This is this is heel turn Kenny Omega." Like right. we're we're getting the heel turn. People are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if we're gonna get him. I'm like, they just listed off 37 minutes worth of accolades. No face does that in their entrance. Like, that's a heel move. It's coming. And obviously, we know it is now. Um, he comes out. They're in the ring. Well, Don Callis at that point takes the, mu- the mic. Um, 
he calls in Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, who wrestle the Good Brothers wrestle their first official match on AEW. And this is as the Young Bucks and Tony Khan are backstage looking on in disgust. And the Young Bucks don't even come out to the ring. So you end up getting... Which, uh, let's back up for a second. So you have these... You have the owner of the company, along with his executive vice president, which <laughs> Kenny is, a, is also one of those, and so is Cody. Yeah. But let's just go and say, you have three of the most powerful people in the, in the company... And you're just going to be like, no, we're going to let these impact guys just come in here and, and wrestle because, you know, that's fine. Like, it makes them look like idiots. Well, Doesn't yeah, it? it does. But at the same time, it, it built, it's building the animosity between, because like you, you mentioned it last week, there was some, there was some hesitation in the Bucks to come out and assist Kenny, Carl and Doc last week. But they, they did so reluctantly, super kicking, you know, um, Penta and Phoenix out of the ring. But my thing is, you know, we 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 see this week, you know, they, they go through the match, they end up catching the win um via magic killer. Um and then obviously after the match, Don Moxley comes back out again. Um, going straight for Omega, and then he ends up finding himself getting beaten down. Lucha Brothers come in, aid Moxley, and then, you know, the Young Bucks come out to make the save. Um, but eventually, you know, get, you know, wiped out by Phoenix and Ray and, and Penta. It was a whole, it was basically chaos, and in the midst of all the chaos, Kenny... And Callus retreated to you know live to fight another fight another day, which man they sure do love to brawl on AEW. Yeah, to to end the show, yeah they love chaos and 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 tune in next week. They love that soundbite from from Jr. Um, and and Tony Schiavone. But my thing is, I don't mind it. I don't mind like the messiness with all this because we don't really know. We're not getting any closure in this storyline, and we didn't get any closure on Saturday with impact either because Kenny comes out in a buck, a bullet club, Halloween shirt, F- fucking the most of all the fucking shirts you could have picked to wear for bullet club. He picked a Halloween one. Uh, I think literally that was probably like the one they could get made like on the shortest amount of time, probably. Um, so they, you know, he you comes at Kenny Omega doesn't have 150 bullet black and white bullet club shirts. Just laying in, in, in at, around at his house. Who knows? Like, maybe he'd maybe have like a box of them, you know, from Hot Topic, just sitting somewhere. But obviously, comes out. Uh, it ended up not being the Motor City Machine Gun verse with Wirtz Swan versus Kenny and the Good Brothers. Um, one of the one of the Motor City Machine Guns. I forget which one. Um, I think it might have been Alex Shelley. Could not attend. For personal reasons, um, seems to be an impact thing, <laughs> but uh, apparently nothing, no hard feelings, no, you know, it was legit personal matter. So I mean, it, we, obviously, we understand you're in the midst of pandemic, but uh, Moose ended up taking the spot, which put the Impact World Champion and the TNA World Champion for such a small company to have two world champions is very odd. Um, <laughs> but they put them in the same match, and there was question whether or not Moose was going to turn on. Um, 
Rich Swan. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't care. I care less because unless, um, unless you're taking the belt off Swan and putting it on Kenny, I don't really care that much about Impact. Like I'm not hating Impact because I, I did watch a little bit of the matches, and I thought the. Hardcore match between Callahan and um, Eddie Edwards was great. My only problem is I feel like I've been every time I tune into Impact, it's like every couple years, right? Like it's never like I'm not tuning in weekly to Impact. It's usually because something big's happening or somebody's doing something cool, like the Hardys doing the Ultimate Deletion and all the other bullshit. Every time I turn into Impact, it seems like Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards are in a hardcore match on the pay per view. Like, it's like those two guys can't get away from one another. They only wrestle one another in these bloody, gory, hardcore matches. Um, but, yeah, so we got the, uh, obviously, we got the the six-man tag at the end. It was Alex Shelley that missed it. But we also got the debut of Matt Cardone in Hard to Kill, uh, which is kind of, I guess, like another crossover a little bit from AEW, but he never officially signed with AEW. Yeah, uh, which... I, I was kind of shocked with that. Are, are they calling him Matt Card- Cardova instead of Cardona? Uh, or, I can't. Uh, that's what no, I call Cardona. Him. Cardona. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Um, but my thing is, is I almost wonder if they didn't sign him because of all the shit that they've been getting for signing so many ex WWE guys. Like, like that's the problem. Like right now, it's not like they can sign a bunch of ex. You know, New Japan guys is new. All those guys are in Japan. They can't come to the states. So, like when WWE lets go forty-five ros- rostered wrestlers, you're probably going to have five or six that are worth picking up. Yeah, but I mean, is it really that much of a shock that Zack Ryder, Matt Cordona, whatever you want to call him, ends up where you know Brian Myers is? Like, no, it doesn't at all. And the thing is, is I almost wonder if Brian Myers committing to Impact. Because, you know, this was a thing. And it's say, say what you want to say about AEW, and we're going to get into our wish list here. That's where we're going to wrap the show up for what we want in 2021 from our wrestling companies. Say what you want about AEW. But Cody Rhodes came out and said that not every Tom, Dick, and Harry from WWE is going to come to AEW and be in AEW. They have a very specific list of guys that, like, obviously make sense business-wise. Like, if Brock Lesnar was like, I want to be the AEW world champion, they're going to fucking sign Brock Lesnar, and we're going to have to just accept that Brock Lesnar is wrestling in the indie company now. But, at the same time, we they have a list of wrestlers that are like, we wouldn't sign those guys if you paid us. And every company probably has that. And, you know, I can guarantee you this. If Baron Corbin was released tomorrow, he would not be picked up by AEW. And that's because Baron Corbin is about as interesting as the paper bag that Bobby Lashley used to occupy. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, what are you what are you going to do, though? Like, it's professional wrestling. If AEW is never going to sign somebody that's ever wrestled for WWE, there's going to be no... Like, people always wrestle for WWE. And, like, the thing people need to stop getting so butthurt over is there's people in AEW, Wardlow becomes a free agent, WWE's going to sign him to fucking tomorrow. Sammy yeah. Guevara becomes a free agent, he's going to WWE. Like, these guys that are young, hungry, and star power-driven, if they leave AEW and AEW doesn't do the right thing and secure these guys for the long period, you know, longevity, 
AEW's going to live to regret it because they're going to be superstars on WWE. They're going to put rockets to their backs and they're going to go straight to the fucking moon. They've already had mainstream media exposure because they're on primetime television every week, whether you, you want to consider AEW primetime or not. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would say the bright spot from Im- uh, Impact's Hard to Kill, obviously, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you, you, you're, you're trying to figure out what they're doing. And Omega and the Good Brothers, you know, beating down and winning their match. But what does it do for Impact long term? It doesn't really do anything. You know what I mean? Like, was yeah. this was this an idea to to kind of kind of pimp out Kenny's popularity at the moment and the AW popularity moment to give impact some title like like to give it its own title some rub because it didn't really do anything and my thing is clearly neither company is willing to commit to the idea of putting their belt on another company's champion and letting him parade around and saying that he's the champion for both companies i think if we get to that level of cross branding where they're comfortable doing that especially my Impact has nothing to fucking lose at this point. If you put the Impact belt on Kenny Omega and made him wrestle Impact pay-per-views and AEW stuff, like it's only going to benefit Impact. I don't know what benefit AEW gets because I feel like a lot of people that are watching Impact are already watching AEW, if that makes sense. Hmm. I feel like you almost have... like You want to know who I think... Kenny would be better served beating at this point. Nick Aldis. They have a great relationship with a, with NWA. Have him take the, the, the 10 pounds of gold off of Nick Aldis. Because Nick Aldis actually respects that belt tremendously and defends it and does, you know, he, he treats it like a true world championship. I think that would be a very interesting path to follow now. Maybe that's where we're heading next. Who knows? Um, but... Other than that, I think AEW put on a decent show. The, the matches were good. Um, like I said, I thought the Impact main event was great, and I, I did enjoy the hardcore match. Other than that, it's Impact Wrestling. I'm not really that into anything else they're doing at the moment. Um, then let's talk Friday Night SmackDown, and then we'll get into our wish list. Um, all fucking night long, they've been doing this contract bullshit between Ray, uh, from between Roman and Adam Pierce with Heyman as the middleman. Heyman gets a uh, no disqualification match. Well, Roman doesn't want a no disqualification match. He wants a last man standing match. Okay. Well, then Adam Pierce is like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to sign it anyway. So he signs it. And then they get to the fucking ring and then, oh, big swerve. I'm an executive. I'm not medically cleared. I have this bad foot injury from when I was 19 years old and I was, you know, sucking dick for a dollar. Um, and guess what? I can't wrestle. So here's Kevin Owens. After all the shit we went through, we're getting another Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns match. Not that I'm complaining. I thought them two put they put on a good match. But what the fuck? Why did we go through all them hoops just to get to that point? Well, so I guess I have more of a of a positive take on it. Like I I thought that it was because like you know yeah like you said we wasted all this time building up this Adam Pierce. Roman Reigns thing. Um, but I liked that for once somebody doesn't, uh, at least a face <laughs> doesn't look like a freaking moron. Yeah. Like, 
for once, somebody outsmarted who was perceived to be the smartest people when in Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman in, in, in WWE. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't, I actually don't have much of a problem with it. Um, you know, the whole, like, you know, okay, Roman signed it. And then he's like, yep. Card subject to change. Oh, and here we go. We got Kevin Owens. And I'm like, I, I like Kevin Owens. He's one of my, he's one of my favorites. So, you know, on the active roster, definitely in the, in the top five conversation. Um, what sucks about it though, is that we all know that he's not going to win. Yeah. You know, if you, if you watch wrestling long enough, you can predict how these things are going to go. And, and there's no reason to see Roman Reigns dropping the title right now. So this, yeah, I agree with that, but, but hear me out on this. You say there's no way, but I was thinking about this the other night and it makes sense in my head. Obviously I know nothing that makes sense in my head ever comes to fruition because Vince doesn't live in my head. He lives <laughs> in Vince land where everybody in the writer's room just says, yes, 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 yes. But hear me out. Roman loses to Kevin Owens. Some way, shape, or form loses, right? We know this match is going to occur before the Royal Rumble. He loses. Jey Uso has a spot in the Royal Rumble. And, and this is not my idea. I heard this online on like Facebook or something. Somebody typed this out and shared it. And one of the millions of groups of men. Jay has a spot in the Rumble. His, his number hits at like 28, right? Mm-hmm. And his music hits, and he gets about halfway down the ring, and then Roman's music hits. And Roman walks out, sends him to the back. Roman gets in the ring, does his thing, eliminates the competition, wins the Rumble, right? He does not challenge for the Universal title. He goes to WrestleMania and he challenges Goldberg and puts Goldberg away. Well, I mean, that, hey, that's if if we can see Goldberg lose in convincing fashion, um, you know, like where he just gets squashed. I'm 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 okay with that. I didn't hate I didn't hate that that idea at all. But I'm yeah. thinking in my head, I'm like, but the how do like then ultimately you know the Universal title's not going to matter going into WrestleMania. Because it'll, it'll be a good match. It'll be like Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan. Or to be honest with you, it might be like Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Or, like you said, that now gives you the opportunity to put that Universal title on the line in the Elimination Chamber. Kevin Owens maybe drops it to Daniel Bryan or to Shinsuke or whoever. They get the belt going into Mania, and Shinsuke or Daniel Bryan has an opportunity to win the world title. Because I think Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke Nakamura have both been booked pretty pretty solid to this point. Obviously, he lost to Cesaro this week. Uh, Daniel Bryan, that is. But do I think this is like some new singles push for Cesaro? No, I don't. But who knows? Maybe it is. It would be really weird if all of a sudden we got not only a singles push for Nakamura, but also for Cesaro. That would be a very well, interesting. Because Brian's part of the, the writing team or, or something over on SmackDown, so he's using that position right now to what looks like to put over guys like Shinsuke and Cesaro. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, so um, yeah, we got Ray Lewis. Uh, not Ray Lewis. I saw Ray Lewis <laughs> pop yesterday. That's what was in my head. Uh, Ray Mysterio versus King Corbin. Um, there's some friction starting to brew between Ray and Dominic, and how Ray handles things, especially when people do shit to him that Dominic perceives as a slight. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because Dominic kept on commentary, kept saying how much he wanted the tag team with his father and win the tag titles. And it'll be interesting to see where that heads. May, and, and we haven't seen Seth in months. We know he's on SmackDown. Obviously, Seth is out on a much deserved uh, break, you know, with having his first child. But the issue I think you're going to run into is, is with Buddy Murphy, obviously, kind of in the midst of that, that, that Mysterio family you know, complex, who's to say that it's not like a, a long-term mole thing. Now, not that we need that feud to ever spark back up again, because it was beat to like a dead horse. But I think that would be an interesting, slow, long burn of like Dominic turns on Ray with Buddy Murphy kind of egging it on, but then just to turn out and end up just being a disciple for Seth when he comes back. It'd be, you know, a, a full, you know, fucking circle kind of thing. But that's not the type of shit we know WWE does. Um, but yeah, then uh, Bailey and Bianca Belair. Bian- if, if there's one way for WWE to get me to like Bianca Belair is to have her beat up Bailey. Because I cannot stand heel Bailey in the sense that, like, I was never a huge fan of Bailey in the ring when she was a face, but she was likable. She she had a connection with the audience and with the fans. Now she, I mean, and she's playing her part well. She looks like every female that's ever asked for a manager, and she talks like every female who's ever asked for a manager. So I give her credit where credit's due. She's delivering her character. But it doesn't, I just don't like her. I don't know. I just don't like her. Um, and in the role that she's in, and maybe that's, that's the purpose. I give her credit. She does not have go away heat for me yet. She has legit heel heat, but it's definitely making me like Bianca Belair a lot more. And Bianca Belair is fun to watch in the ring. She's, she's super athletic. Uh, we talked to Daniel Bryan Cesaro, great fucking match. And it, like you said, you you think Daniel Bryan's using it as an opportunity to put younger talent over. I think it's also an opportunity for Daniel Bryan to have matches with some of the best wrestlers in the company week in and week out, which, you know, we, he's not getting any younger, right? In, in five years, we're going to look back on some of these matches that he had with Nakamura and Cesaro and stuff. He's like, man, that was a really good fucking Daniel Bryan match. You know what I mean? When he retires. Um, but yeah, Cesaro ends up winning. Great fucking match, like I said. Um, and then once again, we get another backstage segment between Sasha Banks and Carmella. Surprise, surprise. Um, and then Big E brought out his uh, white couch with his Ghostbusters sweater. I figured you were probably a fan of that. Um, and watched Apollo Crews versus Sami Zayn. And apparently Apollo Crews is aligning himself with Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's looking like, which, hey, I'm all for. I, I like Apollo Crews. So, and uh, it's weird, though, because, like, I, I hate to say this, but, like, Big E went from being, like, likable to he's almost kind of cocky now. And, like, I get it. Apollo is clearly going to be the heel in this, right? Like, you'd think, because he's aligning with Roman. Roman's a heel. Heyman's a heel. Jay's a heel. Like, let's go down this path. You know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But, like, when when... Big E stands up and he's like, oh, yeah, it'll be the last time you touch that belt, last time you see and like, But, like, just the way he's delivering his remarks, they're not very face 
you know, delivery, in my opinion. And don't get me wrong, I get it. There's confidence. You know, he's a champion now. He's 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 feeling himself. I get that. Don't get me wrong. But just something doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and maybe it's all the talking smack interviews he's done and all the other shit he's done, like to this point. I just I don't I don't know. Something doesn't feel right for me. Yeah, I I don't know. Like part of me though still thinks that we're we're getting a Biggie uh Roman Reigns feud. But that just uh-huh. seems it just seems so far away for us at this moment though. Like a lot is a lot has got to change in the next uh, I don't know. Something's got a lot they're booking, they're booking Raw and SmackDown when the show goes on air. So I think it's it's definitely doable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, but um so yeah, that wraps up SmackDown. Obviously, we already talked about Kevin the the tw- the plot twist of Kevin Owens coming out. Um I don't like I said I enjoy um I do enjoy Kevin Owens. I think he and and he's become a locker room leader there. A guy that like clearly on television, guys respect him enough that he he you know, he he has some pull now. So I don't mind him doing that, but it's just one of those things where you know you're 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 trying to figure out you're just trying to figure out like what's the end game here? Like is this Owens just going to get buried again? You know, and like we 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 move on from him. Is he going to win the world title? Is he going to win the universal title? Is he a placeholder? Because like past past the Royal Rumble, if Roman retains, who's on deck for Roman? It's got to be Shinsuke, right? Or is it or is it Cesaro? Or is it Big E? There's a lot that could happen in the next two months, three months. But that's not a, we know in WWE terms. That's not a lot of time. Yeah, that's what like six shows, maybe eight shows plus a plus an elimination chamber pay per view. That is not a lot of time for WWE to make a fucking decision on something, and we know how great Vince is in making decisions. But we'll see. Um, so yeah, let's wrap up real quick. Uh, so just wanted to do some closing thoughts. I saw this online. Somebody asked, "What what would your your wish list be?" Um, so why don't why don't we do AEW this week? We'll do WWE next week. Okay. Um, so for AEW, what are what are some of the things you hope to see from AEW in 2021? Um, let's see, uh, I want uh, to see Adam Page as their world champion for one. I, I, that is something that that uh, I think. Um, will be good. I know they're trying to do this whole dark order thing and that kind of had a wrench thrown into it. You know, not, I'm not trying to make light of the situation yeah. that caused it, but, um, you know, I, I want Adam page to, I want Adam page to be the guy for AEW. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I think that you, he's got all the tools to do it. And I think by, by kind of, uh, giving him the ball and saying, here, run with a kid. We'll see what he's capable of. Um, I'd like to see a Cody heel turn. Um, that those, those would probably, that's my big two, I guess. Uh, and number three, I want, uh, a dominant run 
by FTR. Actually, <laughs> can I combine FTR and uh, Adam Page? I want that uh, Four Horsemen-esque stable uh, with, uh, I, I almost called him Ty Dillinger. Um, Sean Spears. Sean, Sean, yeah, uh, Sean Spears, FTR, and Adam Hangman Page. Okay. I like those. I like I like the idea of Page getting a title, a, a main event title run. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't even be against Adam Page getting the TNT title at some point if they're if they're going to try and continue to groom him if they don't think he's where he needs to be. I think he's where he needs to be. I think he's a main event guy for him right now. And I think yeah. I think it's another full circle, long booking AEW moment when he takes the belt from Kenny. Or he's the one to take the belt from Kenny. Um, so if I'm going to go, and, and I don't mind the idea of FTR being pushed. I think there's other tag teams that need to be pushed. But I'm not against FTR. Um, well, like like I've like I've stated before, like those are my guys. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm a big I'm a big Blue Bros guy. I'm I like Pride and Powerful. I think there's 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 AEW OGs like tag teams from the very beginning of AEW that started with the company within like the first month or two that I think still need title runs in the tag team division that haven't had them. Like you got to remember, Adam Page and Kenny Omega held the belts for like eight months, nine months. Like they had the belts for fucking forever. It felt like. So it's just one of those things where you're almost like, okay, well, you gave him the SCU because SCU was hot coming into the company. They were one of the most over-independent tag teams, so it made sense. Um, and the Bucks didn't need it. Um, but now you have some tag teams that, that outside of AEW were, were accomplished. You know, Lucha Bros are one of the top tag teams in the world. Um, same thing with FTR, same Pride and Powerful, one of the top tag teams in the world. And now they're in AEW, and they're kind of starting to falter. They're starting to fall into a weird category of like, are they actually good? Like, why aren't they being used? Like that type of shit. Um, so that's where I agree with you. I think FTR is great, but I think FTR and the Bucks probably are better served to start putting talent over at this point, at the moment, than they are to to really push for. I wouldn't mind seeing Private Party win the tag titles. Like that's it. That's one of those independent like. They're one of those AEW groomed talents that came off the independent team pretty, pretty athletic, pretty raw, but they've gotten better as AEW has progressed. You know what I mean? And I think that's something the fans have clamored about too, is like, stop giving the belts to former WWE guys and all the, and all the VPs and start putting the belts on some of the guys that people don't really know and turn those guys into household names. They're doing that with Darby Allen right now. And whether people like Darby Allen or don't like Darby Allen, I think Darby Allen's a good professional wrestling character. He's somebody that we know will sell merchandise for AEW. We know that he's good enough in the ring that he can wrestle big guys, little guys, medium guys. He's, he can handle punishment. He loves that shit, to be honest with you. <clears throat> but his match with Brian Cage on Wednesday was phenomenal. And yeah, he got dominated at times. But at no point in time did you think Darby Allen couldn't win that match. Um, but like I said, that kind of goes into my points. Point one. I want to know clear cut. I want to know who's a heel and I want to know who's a face and I'm tired of the faltering back and forth. 
that's very independent and they're allowing guys to write their own stories, which AW, that's their hallmark. That was what they were building their company around was talent was going to have a say in how they were booked. And that's fine. But sometimes you got to stop being everybody's friend. At some point, the VPs have to stop being friends with people and accepting everybody's ideas. And I'm sure they, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm sure AW, the VPs, the Bucks, Cody, Omega, and even Khan probably shoot down ideas quite frequently, right? But whoever thought of the best friends versus Miro and Kip Sabian should have been reined in, right? Somebody should have said, hey, that's not a good idea. But yet we've had it for three months because they commit to whatever they do, they commit to it. Right or wrong or indifferent, they commit to it and they, they see it out and flesh it out and then they just move on from it and act like it never happened if it wasn't popular. Um, but my thing is, I want, I want clear-cut heels and faces. I want to know who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, and I want to know how we got to where we are. Like this shit with the Bucks and Kenny. Like Kenny clearly went from good guy to bad guy. Great booking, right? Great handling of the character development. Great handling of the character breakdown. The Bucks were going in the same path, and then now we're kind of like, it's like it's like a wave. It's like we're in the fucking wave pool at Six Flags. I don't quite know where I'm at, but I know like there's something coming over the horizon. I just can't see it yet because the wave hasn't hit down yet. Um, two, I'd like to see either Lucha Bros split up and independently wrestling, or I'd like to see the tag team titles put on them. And that's because they are my my favorite tag team. In AW, like you have FTR, I have I have a very different thought process on it though because I think Ray Phoenix and Penta as indiv- individuals or solo wrestlers are tremendously more underrated than they are as tag team wrestlers. And I think if you got the Pentagon Junior that was in Lucha Underground in AEW, it sends it it, it transcends the character. Like him doing what he was doing with Vampiro and breaking people's arms and doing the shit he was doing in Lucha Underground is fucking gold it's the best part of the lucha underground was pentagon um and then three i would say you know start looking to build your younger talent by allowing them to beat your your older guys you know what i mean like people got really pissed off when orange Cassidy went over jericho but look at where it's put orange Cassidy at in the month since people know who he is now like Having, having, you know, the Bucks lose to um, the acclaimed or, you know, whoever, like it puts them on the map, right? You can't build stars unless your stars put people over. And I'm not saying that like the Bucks bury people or Kenny buries people or whatever, but I'm saying give these guys the opportunities. The one thing you could say about Jericho was is Jericho would wrestle guys. Scorpio Sky pinned him in a tag match. He's like, you know what, Scorpio Sky, you can't beat me one-on-one. So Scorpio Sky and him had a solo match, and it was a great match. I think Scorpio Sky is a guy that AEW should should put a rocket on and push to the moon. Same thing with Wardlow. I've said that past. But these are all AEW guys, right? These are guys that, like, yeah, they were independent, whatever. They're indie guys that AEW signed. But everybody's an independent guy before they're a WWE guy, right? So why not take these guys that nobody really knows and turn them into household names? Start doing what people say you can't do. I want to see AEW do that this year. Because we already know the names that we know. Start, to start showing people that we don't know. If they can make Brian Pillman Jr. 
And the guy that he's wrestling with, a a household name by the end of 2021, or but yeah, by the end of 2020, I'll be a happy camper. Um, but yeah, so that they're they're my three wishes: heels, faces, split them up, split up Penta or split up uh, Penta and Phoenix, or put the belts on them, and start building your homegrown talent by allowing them to beat some of the bigger names in your company. Kenny Omega is not going to lose any popularity by dropping a tag team match or even maybe like a singles exhibition match to Brian Pillman Jr. It's only going to help Brian Pillman Jr., right? Right. Um, But yeah, so that'll wrap us up, I think, uh, unless you have any thoughts on my my three. No, man, I think you're you're on point. I I think that... (laughs) All those things are good. I especially agree with the whole uh, um, heel face thing because the the bucks confused the hell out of me. Like I want to know, I want to know what they are. Yeah, so, I, th- I think we all want to know. We all want to know what's in the box. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that'll wrap us up for issue number forty one. Uh, we will be back on. Thursday with issue number 42 for comics. Uh, a lot of future state stuff for you guys coming up for Hot Off the Press. Um, and then we'll be back next week with our full slate of Inside the Reptile of Pref and Around the uh, Multiverse, uh, where we will be discussing Around the Multiverse next week, uh, Clone Wars. And I am powered through that, like I said I would this past week. Um, if you have not already done so, give us a follow, give us a shout on all our social media platforms um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, whatever, however you communicate, communicate with us. Um, if you haven't done so already, like and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Let us know we're doing well. Let us know we're doing bad. Uh, we love to fix things. Moving into 2021, we obviously want to garner more listeners, so we want to know what everybody wants to listen to. Um, any closing thoughts there, Charlie? Uh, no, man. Uh, I think we, we did... Pretty good. And here, I I said before we started recording, ah, we'll be able to get through this pretty quick. Now, let's turn into a pretty good conversation. So. Yep. All right. So uh, that'll about wrap things up. So I'll check it, send it back over to you, and you can send us home. All right, man. Go ahead and hit our music.